0: Welcome to the Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more.
1: Good evening, everyone. Uh, This is Two Old Kids, Two Young Adults, a podcast that we put together to help young people find direction and get inspiration from professionals and also listen to it from a young person's perspective. My name is Ed Sanderson. I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Alex Sank has been with me for a long time. We worked together to help go through college. And uh, it's it's just us tonight, Alex. We've got... um, our other co-host Capri's getting an award, which we love to hear. Love and Amy it. Me is not available this evening either, so we got to handle all the heavy lifting. We can't blame anybody if anything goes wrong, buddy.
0: Yeah, we used to always have scapegoats, but now it's just you and me. <laughs> we have no excuses.
1: Yeah, so I want to introduce our guest, guest Brad uh, Galvin. Brad's uh, going to tell a your story. I really don't even want to tip it off because it's so freaking cool. But we'll let him kind of give an overview of what he does. And I think what the idea is to let young people realize that you've got opportunities in the private sector, but also in the public sector. We're going to talk a little bit about that and his inspiration on why he does what he does. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. How are you this evening?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You know, I appreciate this opportunity to talk to our our young adults out there. I appreciate you
1: being here. Brad, let's just get right into it. Why don't you tell the folks what you spent a large chunk of your adult career doing? And I know it's got multiple levels, but tell them what you're all about.
2: Oh, so, thumb, you know, just a, um, a, a thumb sketch. Uh, after I graduated from college, I joined the uh, police department uh, for a very short period of time. And the reason I did that is I had actually Uh, researched, while I was in college, federal law enforcement agencies. And I had decided that I wanted to uh, work for an agency that was called the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Farms, more commonly referred to as ATF. After researching the different agencies, they were the type of agency that I felt would give me both the the experience of working streets, uh, but also uh, the ability to work large scale um, Multi defendant conspiracy type cases that are generally worked at the federal level. So after I graduated from college, um, I applied to the ATF. Now, as a federal agency, uh, the position is actually called a U.S. Special Agent. The process is very involved in that you have to go through a rigorous background investigation uh, and you have to be able to obtain a top secret security clearance. Two years later, uh, I received my clearance and I received an offer uh, to come on board as a, as a young agent. So uh, in the interim, I had applied to the Sheriff's Department. I was hired on. I worked there until my clearance came through. And then I started with uh, ATF in Los Angeles. And my first assignment was working uh, criminal street gangs in South Central Los Angeles back in the, light, in the late 1980s. So throughout my career, uh, I had the opportunity to work uh, gangs and, and that encompassed violent crimes it could be anything from homicides to uh, carjackings to robberies uh, anything that that dealt with a violent crime i was authorized uh, to investigate so i did that for a couple of years um and then i transferred over to um narcotics narcotics and violent crime go hand in hand and weapons these are all uh tools of the trade that that are interchangeable. If you're selling narcotics, you're probably in possession of weapons and you're, you're going to be doing violent crime. So I, I had the ability to transfer over into a narcotic unit with DEA. I was assigned to what's called a high intensity drug task force, the DEA task force in Los Angeles. So I worked gangs for about three years I went over to narcotics and I worked mid-level to uh, mid-level narcotic traffickers throughout the Los Angeles, Southern California area. And I really enjoyed the the challenges that it provided us uh, working at that level. We weren't working necessarily street level. We were working um, mid-level narcotics traffickers, those who are importing narcotics into the area and then distributing it out to their their, uh, distributors on the streets. From narcotics, uh, I transferred over into explosives. Uh, I put in for an explosive unit, and they sent me back to the U.S. military explosive schools. I received uh, the necessary training. It was a two-year program, and I was uh, came out as a certified explosive specialist. And I started working in an explosive unit, working bomb, bombing investigations. I did that, uh, started in that unit in about 1994. Worked uh, explosives for a number of years. Uh, about the same time, I also transferred, uh, I, I applied for our SWAT team. And the SWAT team at that time was a part-time unit, was not a, fo- a full-time unit. So I was accepted and went through the training and became a part-time SWAT officer. Now, just a little bit about me. I, I bore easily. So I worked the gangs for about three years. I hit that hard and heavy great success, uh, great personal fulfillment. I did that with narcotics. Again, great success, great personal fulfillment. Uh, but I need new challenges. Uh, and and fortunately, the agency that I was in, ATF, had all these different assignments and different units that I could move into if I chose to, or I could stay where I was. There were those individuals who loved working uh, violent street crime, others who enjoyed working narcotics. So I did another... <clears throat> almost five years in explosives working in bombing investigations throughout Southern California. Uh, and in about 1999, ATF went to full-time SWAT teams and I put in for the full-time SWAT team was accepted. And I was one of the first members of the full-time SWAT team on the West coast, which was the Los Angeles team. And that was, uh, A very fulfilling for me as well. I was learning new techniques, new tactics, strategies. Uh, This team was the uh, West Coast team. So there were five teams at the time. I was able to to travel around the country since we're a federal agency. uh, The West Coast team handled the Western United States. So I would weekly travel to different parts of the United States uh, performing high risk uh, enforcement operations, either arrests and or search warrants. Uh, Throughout the United States, either in our area of jurisdiction, which was the 13 Western states, or I would bounce over to another team's area uh, to assist them. So we routinely traveled throughout the country doing this. For the five years that I was on the team, I put on over 100,000 air miles on commercial aircraft in addition to government aircraft that, that we took from time to time. And I really enjoyed the ability at the federal level to, to move around the country and in, and as well throughout, you know, many parts of the world. Uh, I was also sent to U.S. territories since the U.S. has jurisdiction. I was sent to uh, Saipan and Guam and, it, and and I also performed and conducted uh, enforcement operations in, in those territories um, and as well as in, you know, they're, they're part of the United States, but they're so remote. Alaska, I was sent to Alaska a number of times. Um, and and Puerto Rico, so I really enjoyed that that aspect and facet of of the agency, and it's one of the reasons why I actually chose ATF um, after researching the other law enforcement agencies, and they're all great agencies. You're not gonna you're gonna have a great time wherever you're at. You're gonna have great responsibility and challenges. I just felt that the ATF was that hybrid between. A federal law enforcement agency and a and a local agency, they bridged that that gap. A lot of your federal agencies back then, today there's a lot more fluidity between uh, the local law enforcement and federal. But back then, if you were DEA, you did one thing, or FBI, you did one thing, or Secret Service, and you stayed within that realm and the ATF bridged it. We went back and forth. We worked with our local counterparts at the local level. I, you know, I rode with street cops uh, throughout the city, either in gang investigations, narcotic investigations, and or uh, during bombing investigations. Today, I think there's a lot more of that at at the federal level with that interoperability between uh, the different uh, federal, state, and local agencies. Back then, there wasn't as much so for me, it was very fulfilling to have that ability uh, to work in those types of investigations at that and the different levels. So after about five years as a full-time SWAT officer, uh, I uh, transferred. Uh, one of the benefits was that you, you were able to transfer to another city. I transferred from Los Angeles to San Diego, and uh, I'm... Moved to San Diego, and I started working in San Diego, and it was immediately, this was during, this was in 1994, this was during that time period where the U.S. had a large presence in in Iraq. And so I was actually detailed to Iraq for four months, uh, where I spent uh, that time conducting uh, an investigation along with the rest of our U.S. Department of Justice partners, because we were all U.S. Department of Justice uh, conducting an investigation on war crimes committed by the uh, former Iraqi regime, which was a fascinating investigation. Uh, it's not something that you do every day. So I was able to travel across the country of Iraq, uh, going to uh, mass grave sites, which is a horrific, but learning from the, the medical, I'm going to call them medical anthropologists. I don't know their exact title, but these medical doctors would, uh, would exhume these bodies and then uh, make a determination on how, you know, their cause of death. And many of them were gunshot wounds to the head. And these were uh, men, women, and children. So as part of the uh, war crimes investigation, our team was brought in to conduct that investigation. And you hear about these types of investigations in other parts of the world, including today. And that's what I did back in 1994. When I returned from Iraq in 1994, I was reassigned to the counterterrorism uh, counterterrorism unit. I was assigned to the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force. So if you'll notice, there's a trend here. When I started, I worked at the LAPD Gang Task Force. Uh, then I went to the DEA Narcotic Task Force. Uh, then I worked explosives. And in many cases, it was also an explosive task force because you work with all the other different agencies. Um, Now I went over to the FBI uh, Joint Terrorism Task Force. So I was very familiar and very comfortable in working with uh, members from other agencies. Uh, I had a good history of that. I worked well with others, and uh, I enjoyed that that, uh, opportunity. So I was assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force working counterterrorism investigations, and I did that for almost eight years, uh, working both international and domestic uh, counterterrorism investigations. I'm, I'm, now I'm starting to get a little long in the tooth, as they say. I've been on the job for a while. I'm starting to look at my, uh, my, re, my retirement options. And uh, I know that I need to, uh, in order to get my what's called my high three for retirement, I'm going to need to push up into management. And so at that point, I put in for a position as the resident agent in charge of the Los Angeles office. And I I got the position and I had to transfer it back to Los Angeles uh, where I moved up in in pay scales. So for your young adults out there that are uh, looking at this, um, it's something that you have to be cognizant of is your retirement. And you need to understand your retirement benefits, uh, what your benefits are going to be at at what year that you decide to leave, whether it's 20, 25, 30, or beyond, Um, and all the agencies have a very good human research department (HR), and they will, when requested, they will give you a breakdown of what your retirement would look like at 20 years, 25 years, and 30, based upon your pay scale, and that is determined by your rank. So, knowing that I was starting to get towards the towards the latter end of my career, I opted to go into management uh, to beef up my salary for retirement. So, I worked as the resident agent in charge of the Los Angeles office for a year. I was fortunate because I was commuting back and forth between San Diego and Los Angeles on the weekends. Uh, and I was transferred I was fortunate that I was transferred back to San Diego, where I finished off my career in San Diego after twenty nine years, almost thirty years of federal law enforcement. and uh, and I in federal law enforcement, uh, we are mandated to retire at the age of 57. So I've just dated myself. Interesting. So this does not apply to any other city, county or state agency, but the federal government by congressional mandate requires its federal agents to retire at the age of 57. Wow. So at 57, I left government service and now I'm looking around at what, what, do I do now? Uh, so, you need to have a transition plan, whatever that may be. And there are plenty of jobs with this skill set, with the skill sets that I've developed over the last almost 30 years. There were plenty of positions for me. Um, I just needed to pick which one I wanted and where I wanted to go. At this point, I decided that I did not want the traditional nine to five, um, given that I had just worked almost 30 years in that environment. Uh, but I wanted to do more consulting work. And in the latter part of my career, uh, I started doing international training. In 2009, I was assigned my first international training assignment. I was sent to Budapest, Hungary, where I trained at the International Law Enforcement Academy. Now, I had never heard of this throughout my career. I never heard that there was such a thing as international training for um. know given by uh, our agency to international police so i i I stumbled across it at a conference back in dc that uh, a friend of mine they were looking for uh somebody to take this spot i stumbled upon it i happened to have the qualifications and i was sent to budapest and i was hooked Um, my love of travel uh coupled with you know uh my love of law enforcement and teaching I felt had, it was the trifecta for me. So as soon as I got back from there, I clearly researched it and, and uh, started to make connections so that I could be sent out as an instructor. At this point, I found out that we had training facilities in Europe, in Africa, in Central America, and in Asia, and I never knew of this. So it was at that time, it was a very tightly guarded secret, I'm going to call it. Uh, today, every, I think most not anymore in the agency know about it. There was an uproar when they found out, but I, w- I got my foot in the door and I, so twice a year I would be sent out on an overseas assignment. Usually in, uh, January, I would go to Asia and then, uh, spring and summer, uh, I would go to Africa. Uh, those were my two favorites. Now, every, now I would do Europe and Central America if I had to, but, um, Everybody knew that they could send me to Asia or Africa and I'd be be totally, totally happy. So when you do that, you're working for the State Department. So the US State Department is in charge of all overseas. Anything that happens overseas, it's under State Department's jurisdiction. So the federal government is broken up into its agencies, uh, domestic and then foreign. And in foreign law enforcement, The State Department Diplomatic Security Service handles law enforcement outreach and training with our foreign national partners overseas in every country that we have an embassy. Again, I didn't know this as a a younger agent. So State Department actually sent me on those trips. Uh, They're the ones that I had to work with. So when I retired, I then found out that State Department has this huge program Called the Global Anti-Terrorism Assistance Act, a congressionally funded program where the State Department puts on training to our foreign national partners throughout the world in counterterrorism. So I, again, a very it's a very hard program to get into. They take very few people. Most of them are federal, a retired federal law enforcement. You do have local law enforcement in there as well, if they have specialized skill set. So I was able to get into this uh, with the State Department. I was hired on as a consultant. And for the last four years, I've been traveling around the world uh, in different countries, uh, putting on counterterrorism training on behalf of the U.S. State Department. So I've been to Africa, to the Middle East, to Asia, um, uh, to Europe, to Central Asia. And I have a number of trips, Coming up, the last few trips I had, I was in Bahrain, I was in Jordan, and I was in Morocco, and I'm getting ready to leave on a number of other trips right now. So um, I took that skill set, the, the skills that I had learned from those 30 years, and I just uh, I applied it towards what I had already actually been doing, uh, working for the State Department now. But on my schedule, more or less, I'm not a full-time employee. I'm a, I'm a contract consultant And I go out on assignments and as many as I'd like. Now, and I I like this because it gives me the ability to pick and choose my assignments. You know, if I can go out on five or six assignments a year, spread them throughout the year, I'm I'm happy. It's kind of a challenge sometimes that doesn't always work out that way. But today, that's what I'm doing is I'm a consultant for the State Department. I travel overseas where I mentor foreign national police forces in counterterrorism investigations. So that's a, I don't know how long that took, but that's a snapshot. I don't care. It was awesome.
0: That was a cool (laughs) snapshot I've seen in my entire life.
1: So Brad, besides making me feel like a slacker, uh, (laughs) I just want to say thank you for that, what you've done and what you're talking about. And as much as I'd like to get into the terrorism and the explosives and the drug enforcement, I, I really wanted to ask you a question about something in your bio and it says there, and I, I literally wrote this down because I wanted to ask you about it. Under About You, it says, excellent interpersonal skills, particularly in providing instructional leadership to peer and command levels. And what I wanted to ask you about that is when did you develop those skills and why would you tell a young person how important it is to have those skills and to develop them early?
2: Communication. Communication. Uh, is the key to your success no matter what field you're in. You have to have the ability to communicate. You have to be personable. Uh, You have to be able to relate to others. Uh, When I mentioned all the task forces that I was in throughout my career, that was a training ground for me of cooperability. Um, We had a number of agents and officers from multiple agencies and you had to learn how to get along with people, how to negotiate, compromise, how to talk to people. Um, there, you you can't get through life, you can't get through any professional organization if you don't have those skill sets of being able to communicate effectively um, with others. And those skills I developed. I, I I can't say that I had them as a young agent. I was probably headstrong, brash, um, but I developed those skills uh, throughout my time. And each assignment I had, I developed them and they, I honed them more and more. The ability to speak uh, to not only my peers, because I became an instructor, I was, instruct- I was putting on courses w- while I was an agent. And you have to have the ability to, uh, to meet with, to talk to, to instruct people and not only peers, but command level groups. So, uh, oftentimes the um, counterterrorism units that I'm dealing with, there will be chiefs of police, judges, commanders uh, from uh, multiple different agencies. I've had uh, judges in my uh, in my courses, and chiefs of police of entire islands. In uh, Indonesia, has ten thousand islands. The Philippines have seven thousand islands. So they'll have a commander who he's, con- he's considered the chief of police, and he may be over, you know, 500 officers uh, or more. Um, so these are the, the types of command level people that you have to be able to deal with, effectively deal with, uh, and be able to communicate with, um, you know, if you're going to move into these types of positions. Now, not everyone can do it, uh, and not everyone wants to do it, but this was something that I honed from years of being in briefings and in meetings and giving briefings and listening to briefings, um, you you pick up these skill sets as you as you make your way through life. Pick up those skill sets. Learn how other people are are presenting themselves, how they dress, and how they speak the the language that they use. Uh, whether they're using you know inflections in their hands to talk, and I even to this day. When I'm in a course, uh, I was in the Philippines with two uh, team members that I had had not known. And I was so impressed by certain things that they did that I adopted those things. Wow! So it's a learning process. I don't know everything. And I learn every day, every time I'm out there working with someone, I can learn something. And I may not learn it from the other instructors. I might learn it from... Uh, the group that we're uh, instructing. They may show me something. Um, so it's a learning process that you we will spend our lives developing. And you just have to be open to it. Understand that it's that we, and, and certainly at a young age, we don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And you don't know a lot. But you're yep. there to learn. And, and, and if you understand that you're there to learn, as much as you can from whoever you meet and whoever you interact with, you can learn something from them. Now, some things I don't like, oh, boy, that guy was a whoo, And you don't want to do that, right? He was arrogant or brash or spoke down to the group. Those yep. are the traits you don't want. But I loved when I heard someone who was very complimentary and spoke up to the group and ele- tried to elevate the group, made me feel good. That's what you want to do always. Uh, not only as a person, but as a, as a leader, is you want mm-hmm. to make people feel good and you want to impart knowledge to them. So it's a learning process. I've learned my whole life and I'm still learning today. Wow. Hey,
1: Alex, I'm going to let you ask a couple questions in a second. I want to ask Brad a follow-up question to that. Brad, <clears throat> young people are trying to find direction and focus. And sometimes they're just kind of meandering about I'm kind of curious if a young person's listening to this and they get inspired and they are like, wow, that's an exciting career. You've seen amazing things. You've seen some horrible things too, as you mentioned. If they're if they're in a hi, high school student, for example, where would you suggest they get started to kind of get a feel for it and see if this is the right
2: career path for that? There are many different uh, avenues out there that I didn't have in my day. Uh, you have the internet. You can go to any agencies. If if law enforcement is what you're interested in, you can go to the internet and every agency will have a website and they will talk about themselves. Wow. They will even break down the different divisions, their jurisdiction, the different units that they have. And you can do that at the city level, the county level, the state level, and the federal level. All agencies have websites and they're there to provide that information to you. So it's at the your fingertips, which our young people know that. I mean, they're very computer savvy. So if that's your interest, then research the different agencies. Do you want to work in local law enforcement or federal law enforcement? Or do you want to work overseas? Do you want to be uh, a diplomatic uh, security service officer agent working in an embassy overseas? Um, Or do you want to work for one of the intelligence agencies? There are so many positions that I didn't really know about when I was in college, because back then, Ed and Alex, if I wanted to research something, I had to go to the library and look it up on microfish. What's a library?
1: <laughs> What's a microfish?
2: <laughs> That's probably a better question.
1: That's how we found out information back then. Well, I'll tell you what, this has been a fascinating conversation. I don't want to monopolize it, Alex. You've got a few questions for Brad Fireway.
0: Just a few, i I came up with like 20 different ones, probably actually yeah. more like 50 during this conversation, <laughs> but I'll try to cut it down to only a few. But um, I guess to start off, my, off the top of my head, really wanted to ask you, I feel like a lot of people wanted to go into law enforcement because of what they see in the TV shows, what they've seen in the movies. Um, I, for one, wanted to be a cop, believe it or not, for years, years and years. I don't know if I ever told you that, Ed, but I wanted to be a cop for the longest time. But I'm um, just curious, Brad, what advice would you give to those types of people who want to go into this sort of field because of what they've seen in the media in terms of some of the biggest differences and biggest challenges that are not depicted in the media, but that you face oftentimes. And some I'm sure you can't talk about, but just uh, curious, get your opinion on that.
2: So law enforcement, I mean, I've always known that I wanted to go into law enforcement since I was five years old. That was just, that's just what I wanted to do. um, It's a challenging career. And it can be an incredibly rewarding career. Uh, And it depends on where you want to go, city, state, or federal. For me, uh, the agency that I went with afforded me the opportunity to use my skill set and my innate abilities of, I was a self-starter. I didn't need to be told what to do. I need to be shown what to do. But you didn't need to prod me. You didn't need to tell me to go out and work. You had to hold me back. Uh, and it's kind of like a thoroughbred. And when I became a supervisor of, of, of other agents, uh, my job was, I had a team of thoroughbreds and I just had to keep them in the, between the lines. My job was to let them run, but to guide them. I, my job wasn't there to stifle them. It's just to let them run, keep them with, with, within the lines and let them run and learn as they're going, try to, everybody's going to make mistakes and they're going to stumble and that's okay. That's part of the learning process. Um, But a good supervisor will be there to catch them and to help them and improve on it. So law enforcement is a challenging career, especially today, especially local law enforcement. This is a very challenging career. We have a whole different dynamic on the streets than we did 30 years ago when I was working on the streets. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to really want to be a police officer on the streets today. You have to really want to help people, and you can do that. What I loved about it is my ability to help uh, the communities that we served. My job was uh, to protect the public and to ensure the safety of our community so our community members can go to the store, can go to the movie theaters without fear of uh, criminals coming up on them and robbing them or beating them. And I've actually stumbled across uh, strong, arm arbor, uh, strong arm robberies when I was uh, a plainclothes officer um, back in Los Angeles. It happened. So I, my job I always considered was to protect the public, to protect those who can't protect themselves. And I, I had a great sense of satisfaction. And then I also loved complex investigations. That was my forte. I loved working on complex investigations. Uh, I got so good at it that they actually created a course called Complex Investigation Seminar, and I was one of the first instructors uh, to teach other agents how to conduct a complex investigation, multi-defendant, maybe multi-jurisdictional. Maybe you're in uh, several different states. Today, we have those where they're doing it across uh, uh, countries. We're doing investigations. Our DEA does it routinely, and our HSI agents do it routinely uh, on investigations coming into the U.S. So does the FBI. So I, I enjoyed that, um, that challenge of trying to outsmart uh, the criminals, and, and not the street criminals. I mean the, the, the true shot callers, the guys that are moving and shaking and making an impact in our communities. Um, those were the guys that I like to go after. And that was my greatest challenge. And I I enjoyed that. So if you like that kind of work, then maybe law enforcement's for you. There's so many different assignments within law enforcement, though. You can, you know, we could be here for another hour just talking about the various
1: uh, various (laughs) different
2: units that you can go into. There are so many. So if you like that type of work, if you like being a public servant, I've always considered myself a public servant. Uh, Even today, I'm still a public servant. I still work for the United States um, to, you know, help uh, protect the U S from terrorists coming to our country. So there are challenges in law enforcement, but I enjoy it. So Alex, we've kept this man for a while. I'm going to give you a shot
1: at one more question. I know you've got tons of them, but Maybe give him one more question and we'll get Brad out of here so he can continue to protect us. All
0: right, one more question for now, Brad. But (laughs) I would say for my last question, you've obviously talked a lot about the sense of fulfillment that you've got, all the people that you have helped and how that just really made for a very obviously long successful career for you. Um, But obviously, as you mentioned, you saw some pretty rough things as well. Dealing with firearms, dealing dealing with gangs, narcotics, um, terrorism, robberies all that how do you i was a psychology major so if this is too personal let me know but how would you cope with a lot of these more difficult things that you saw throughout your career
2: so <clears throat> you know being in law enforcement you're going to see everything and yep. none of it's easy uh and the first time you see anything it it has a profound effect on you Yeah. but like anything else it it diminishes. Um, When I worked street gangs in Los Angeles, I routinely came up uh, on uh, shooting victims, and that was a a weekly occurrence for us. So um, you focus on the job, you focus on what it is that we need to do, and you don't think about, um, you try not to think about the personal aspect of it. When it happens to um, someone like a child or a female, Uh, An innocent that has a that had a much greater and profound impact on me Um, when it was criminals on criminals, you know, it it wasn't as hard. But the innocent that was tough to watch that that truly that hits that hits you hard. And that's something that never goes away.
1: Well, Brad, like I said, um. You're making me rethink my life. So thanks for that. I'll probably have to cry a little bit tonight as I lay in bed and see what I didn't get accomplished. But in all seriousness, um, what I'm amazed by is the amount of confidence you have, the things you've accomplished. And I think from a young person, you said you were kind of a a brash. And I think being confident is important. I'm sure there's a balancing point between confidence and arrogance i got the impression from our conversation that you've had many mentors that have probably helped direct that next time we get together i want to talk a little bit more about that but brad i can't thank you enough for being on with us this evening i know we went over i'm sure the other ladies on this are not going to be happy that they missed this but at the same time we got to chat about what's going on and what you're what you've been able to accomplish so i just want to thank you on behalf of alex and myself This is the Two Old Kids, Two Young Adults podcast. We had an amazing conversation with Brad. And if you you like it, give us a thumbs up. If you love it, and you should, share it with other people and then subscribe so you can get these types of things brought to you on a regular basis. We try to do one every single week. And I got to tell you, it's one of my favorites so far. Brad, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Brad.
0: Make sure and subscribe to this show so you don't miss the next episode of Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We want to hear from you as well. You can email us at 2OK2YA at gmail.com.